0: Sonic Statesman. What's called?
1: Hello and welcome, this is Sonic Talk number 147, uh, recording today on Wednesday, September the 23rd. Uh, for those of you who aren't here for the live recording, which uh, obviously you aren't if you're hearing me say this and wondering what I'm talking about, head over to sonicstate.com forward slash live around 4pm on a Wednesday UK time and join us in the chat room. There's live chat and you can hear us doing this as we go before any edits, so all the juicy and uh, difficult bits that we can't get past the lawyers get cut out for the podcast, which goes live on Thursday the 23rd. 24th of september this week uh, and my guest here i'll start with um non eric from musotalk.de who's probably one of the busiest men in the business uh, i oh, know he's uh, been very uh, generous with his time he's dashing off to do some uh, something important i'm sure in 20 minutes but he joined us quickly so he could talk about one of the favorite topics how are you doing hans i'm fine Great. You sound good too. Roomy, but kind of very, it sounds very compressed. We have a good Skype quality day today for some reason, which is always nice to know. Um, at musotalk.de for all your, um, German music production needs and even non-music German, um, if you, cause you can usually pick up most of it. So head over there and see what Hans is up to. There's a lot, a lot of stuff that he's doing so check it out and also we've got uh, mark tinley from uh, cambridgeshire who's a sound artist and uh, creative thinker amongst other things mark is joining us today using the skype handset i am you sound Hello. very different it's much that better than usual actually fact.
2: that's because i told you it's all that digi design stuff they, they make it in china now and it's not as good as it used to be <laughs> I know some very nice people who work at Digi Design. I even went to school with one of them and actually it's yes, it's all good really. All good. Okay. Without well, Digi Design we wouldn't be where we are today, right?
1: Well, some of us. I never use the stuff myself, but that's only purely. <laughs> that's not a. That's not a quality no, choice. I mean, it just happens industri- to be the as way. As an I'm
2: industry, going. Pro Tools is now the format that everybody uses. Masters in. Oh, of it? course,
1: yes, yes, of course. Thank you for joining us, Mark, and uh, and now, of course, our last guest. Well, actually, no, we can fight, but let me give out your URL, which is a new one, which is AutismHero dot com. A-U-T-I-S-M-H-E-R-O.com. Indeed. There you go. Excellent. And and uh, also uh, we have dave spears from g4 software uh g4software.com make us a fine musical instruments how are you dave i'm good new yeah, very well. Not aching too badly. I d- had a game of tennis earlier in the week for the first time in years. In fact, five sets of tennis and I'm feeling yeah. all right. I'm not broken. I thought I was because I was having that feeling that if I do this and I end up just being, you know, really hurt, then I'm going to have to give up even thinking about doing stuff like that. So I'm just very glad. Anyway, help, also welcome to everybody in the chat room. Nice to see uh, Mark JX8P in there and uh, all the other people too. So, welcome to you all, sonicstate.com forward slash live. Let's jump straight in because it feels like an, uh, an auspicious day um, because uh, Melodyne DNA, the often um, quoted and as yet undelivered modern marvel of uh, audio processing, is here. For those of you who don't know what DNA is, basically uh, the Melodyne editor, it, it allows you to edit generally mono sound samples sound sources and change the pitch and intonation and movements and uh, what have you the dna thing allows you to individually access notes within a polyphonic recording so a guitar for instance you can change the individual notes of recording it's here it's out in beta i think it came out last friday uh, in in beta format. Uh, those with a uh, uh, registered version of VST can sign up and uh, check it out. It's uh, currently in standalone only. Uh, uh, Rich Hilton was going to be here this week, but he got called away at the last minute to go to a Roland V piano demo, which, of course, he had to do. So, uh, Non-Eric is here from to I'm imagining that maybe you've had your hands on it. So, tell us, tell us. Is it magic?
0: It. it is. I got it um, uh, uh, right on Friday. Yep. And I posted a very brief, you know, I was so stunned. I said, God, you know, I have to do a screencast of this, you know, just to let everybody uh, out there take part in in, in this unbelievable uh, discovery that I was making. And um, I mean, there's a couple of uh, misconceptions of what it does uh, out there because you can't extract a voice from a full stereo master. You may be able to do that, but only under certain circumstances, because it does not detect different voices of different instruments and separate them, but it recognizes different pitches.
1: Yes, quite.
0: So um, given that limitation, um, I tried it on what I would use it on. And, you know, it's it's always uh, different to see a demo at a show or to see the company provided propaganda videos. And it's totally different if you've got the stuff, you know, in your hands and you try it on your own samples and material. And so uh, what I thought I would use it for is, um, you know, you, like sometimes I get these really nice techno stabs and house keyboard chords of yeah. sampled CDs and other stuff. Or I might have a, a guitar uh, uh, chord or something and it will just not fit um, the harmonies of the track I'm working on. Okay, and so I, you know, sometimes like to go in a different scale. So I just went through all my old samples and loaded in a couple of techno uh, stabs, and it works without any glitches or any problems on on something that's, uh, you know, like a techno synth stab chord, right? Very without any sort of glitches or limitations, perfectly. Uh, next, so I, and then I just said, oh, I'll try something uh, a little bit more complicated. And then I loaded in uh, French Kiss, the loop. Doop, 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 oh, yeah.
1: oh, the little Louis thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that got, uh, you know, got a, you know it's, it's sonically a lot more complex. But I was able to separate out a couple of the, uh, the bass notes and change around the chording, And within seconds, I had, you know, a new riff. With wow. the sounds. I like the from, sound of that. <laughs> and then I went one step beyond that and I said, okay, let's try it a little bit harder. And then I got uh, Alan Parsons, an intro from Alan Parsons, from there, which had more instruments like uh, piano and bass and stuff like that. And I was able to, you know, even there because they, 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 they weren't playing the same notes, I was even in that, I was able to sort of, you know, make it play something else but still remain this the tone and the sound of the original okay that was a little bit more glitchy and and after that i thought okay now i i go overboard you know and try the impossible yeah and i, I loaded in uh uh something from a david bowie, bowie david bowie so david bowie record yeah uh which had a piano and a bass and him singing and uh I was playing around and I thought, can I really sort of separate, you know, maybe erase the vocals or erase everything around the vocals? And I was trying that and uh, it worked amazingly well, although some of the notes were identical. And later I read in uh, some of the forums and I got a tip from another user and said, yes, you can do more with Melodyne. You can, you know, actually even, because it detected some of the overtones of a, a bass piano note and detected that as part of the vocals. And had I known and been able to spend more time with it, I would have probably quite de- been able to quite decently get rid of David Bowie Bowie, uh, yeah. out of the Stereo Master.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a very tempting thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can make him sing, you know, little different things in it without you being able to notice. It's, I, I mean, if there has been anything wild or uh, really sort of new happening then it's this and because we've seen all the updates of logic all the updates of cubase blah 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 they all sort of integrate stuff that's already out there in other programs but this is really something new and i'm really really scared of the <laughs> stuff that some people will do with it
1: we it's gonna it's opening pandora's box a little bit in a number yeah. of different ways tell me what processor were you running it on
0: I was using it on a, on a Mac Pro. Uh huh. But it, you know, uh, I don't think it has, is in any way, uh, demanding on the processor. Because it, you know, to detect like a whole three minute stereo, it took maybe about one and a half minutes. To act, mm-hmm. So
1: it creates some sort of analysis file and then you yep, work on yep. it. Right, okay.
0: Quite in contrast to the ProSonic product that we yet to see, yes. which is geared towards sonically separating voices, you know, yeah. instruments from each other, which takes enormous long time and creates enormously large uh, files. This was absolutely no uh, problem for the computer.
1: Wow. So, I mean, they finally made it. This is what's so kind of weird because obviously, you know, there's been a lot of skepticism, hasn't there, in the industry and people saying, oh, it'll never work. They'll never get it to work. But we're here now. I mean, obviously this is in standalone mode, right? You have, we're not getting all yeah, of the yeah. plugins. Yeah, that's
0: the editor, but... Uh, what i 've heard is that actually the technology of DNA would have been uh, out a lot earlier, but they de- what I heard is they decided to completely rewrite the editor, and at the end of the day, it, they had more trouble you know with the editor
1: than they, than they did with the, co- you
0: know, <laughs> with the core technology
1: don oh, just thought they'd decorate it and uh, had, had no trouble products. choosing the right color. <laughs> dave spears and mark i mean wow isn't this this is kind of a pretty major event isn't it in the music musical calendar i've played with it have you dave yes oh how did you what, t- tell us of your experiences because i i was going to but i thought i am got I haven't enough time
3: i haven't had a huge amount of time i probably spent you know three or four hours with it just trying similar to hands really just trying it with different things um it really is. It's uh, the word revolutionary is completely overused in, in our industry, but I think this really is a, another revolutionary product from solemnity. It's quite stunning. Um, Hans, how did you deal with um, things like, you know, the pitch slurs and stuff when you were changing and what kind of tolerance did you get in terms of pitch shifting?
0: Oh, uh, I've only tried one thing uh, I did. Um, I got a polyphonic intro from, uh, you know, they had lots of string, a string quartet sort of playing. Yep. And it was very loose in, sort of, uh, in terms of pitch, and I did a pitch quantize on that. Okay, okay. And that worked fairly, I mean, I completely straightened it out. You know, I removed all the glitch, uh, you know, all the oh, vibratos. Uh, well, not, wow, Yeah, that's amazing. These, yeah, and that works just like on the monophonic version.
1: Azio Head in the chat room says, I'd love to hear how it sounds and what it can do on Chet Baker's My Funny Dad, Valentine. And I seem to remember, it wasn't one of the demos, uh, a Chet Baker recording. And you could completely change the trumpet, the bass line, because there's so much space in that recording. The trumpet occupies a very unique uh, area in the spectrum. So I'm, I'm sure it can do some pretty amazing things. I mean, I think that when, when we did it, we did a kind of, this is how far we've got uh, interview at Mesa with, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Carsten uh, from... The uh, from Melody ceremony, and uh, he was saying, look, you know, basically there's some misconceptions. One is, you know, obviously if you've got a multi-track with lots of multi-track voices all occupying the same pitch uh, pitch space, and also lots of effects that are working across, it, it's going to have a harder time, you know, differentiating that between other things. You know, in the densely packed music productions from stereo masters that we might have now, it's going to going to struggle a bit. But stuff which has more room, by all accounts, it's doing pretty well. It's interesting. I used it with a. Uh... I did a
3: bark prelude, just input that and tried to change that. And I got, you know, this kind of the raising of the note up to a new pitch, as it were, which I need to, I was trying to work out how to eliminate that. And then I thought, well, actually, a kind of slur or slide's an inherent part of a guitar, let's say. So I took a kind of Pat Metheny riff, just a guitar, uh, and started changing that. And that was quite um, mind blowing, really.
1: It's weird, isn't it? I suppose the thing is, is when you're in there, I mean, it, DNA does actually. It's a good thing to say because you're essentially you're taking the performance, which is from these world class people, and you're able to mess around with it and edit after the effect. And and that's that's crazy stuff. It's
3: very scary. I know. I know a lot of. Um, well, sorry, a lot. I know at least one or two session players have kind of looked at it and gone. Mm, it's a bit immoral, really. So I think there's a bit of fear going on there somewhere.
1: Well, you still have to get the performance, yes. I, I suppose. Um, I don't know, Mark. Have you have you got Melodyne? Do you use Melodyne? Can you see? I have that?
2: got Melodyne, and I do use Melodyne. And I was uh, about one o'clock in the morning. I was just sort of thinking about going to bed, and I noticed a little message on Twitter from Rich Hilton saying, "Just downloaded the Melodyne DNA uh, demo thing," and I'd um, I'd had the email earlier in the week. And I've deliberately been avoiding it because I know that the moment I download it, I'm going to lose hours and hours and hours of my life to my (laughs) computer. Because, because, well, I just, once you get into something like that, you know how it is. just be there forever trying out all the different possibilities. So I've been putting it off. But the more I hear about it, and also I want to make sure I've got enough time to do that because my understanding is it's a demo, right? Is there um, no, no, it's uh, the beta. It's a full is, beta. It's, it's a, a beta. full beta. Yeah. But, oh, will it run out of time at some point nope. or something? Nope, oh, nope, nope. oh, so so I don't need to. So once I start running it, it's not just going to suddenly stop so many hours later, and then I'm going to nope. go, oh, oh, you know, oh, okay, <laughs> oh well, yeah, I would Yeah, probably by next week, then I will have downloaded it and done something with it, definitely. Um, but yeah, scared of losing you know, my entire life.
1: There's going to be some really clever and smart stuff happening that we can't even think of now just using this technology. Yeah. It's so incredibly enabling, in a, and whether it's good or bad is another matter, but it's, it, it, it's, it's like a dimensional shift, isn't it? It really is. It,
2: but it's also going to be able to, the, the thing that interests me about it is that I'm going to be able to create massive emotional shifts in people's music. So you can take sad and turn it into happy or happy and turn it into sad. So you could turn she loves you, yeah, 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 into she loves you, yeah, 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 (laughs) or whatever. I mean, you you know, the whole difference between major and minor key is all about the emotions that it makes a human being feel. So if you start playing around with songs that we know are traditionally happy and turning them into sad and vice versa, we could change the course of history, you know, like as in, you know, people believe things have been a certain way up until now, and you mess with that, you're messing with people's core emotions and stuff. All sorts of weird shit could happen. I mean, stuff well, could happen. Well, you know, yeah, that. it
1: could. But do you think? But, I mean, do you think ultimately that people? I don't really think that most people are going to have the comparison. A lot of things they'll be hearing for the first time anyway. It'll just be an interpretation in the way that lots of things are just reinterpretations of what's already available. So it
2: might be, why were my mum and dad so into the Beatles? They're so depressing, man. (laughs) 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 Or, like, Morrissey's really happy. Why has everyone (laughs) got this thing about Morrissey being a miserable old git? He's really... Wow, imagine that. Get all these Morrissey tracks and then just tweak them all to happy notes and then... You know. <laughs>
1: Good one. <laughs> That's an exciting idea. Uh, Rich C wants to know in the chat room, can you bounce with it so you can edit stuff and then bounce out, presumably in the editor, right?
0: Mm, uh, probably. Uh, if it... It, I think it does everything that the old editor did. Yeah,
1: so it must do. You must be able to process files and yeah, then yeah, yeah. Sure, bounce sure. them out again. I mean, it's the same same deal, yeah. Uh,
0: but you have to understand that the beta version is only available to registered users. Yes. It can only be used on the computer that you've uh, uh, unlocked via Challenge an existing uh, Melodyne product that you own.
1: Right, okay.
2: Well, I love- Got it on iLog, yeah, yeah,
1: presumably, yeah. presumably so. Or um, that yeah, anyway, so that was available 18th. Uh, I think the full product uh, they're aiming for an early November release, is that right, non Eric? Yeah, about 349 bucks. It seems incredibly cheap. I mean, it's funny because thinking about it before, you know, you think you know, software sort of sometimes sounds expensive, but when you consider what this does and what doors it can open, it seems like an incredibly low entry point for what this thing can actually do.
3: It is. It's stunning. I did have one moment that I thought was quite amusing. I am, um, you know, these multi-tracks of um, Stevie Wonder's superstition floating around. Yeah. And there's eight tracks of Clavi. There's a couple of effects so you can eliminate those. So I loaded them each individually, um, put in six tracks, changed a couple of bars, exported it, then put them back in put it into logic and listen to it. And the result was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you let me get this right so in the editor you can load multiple tracks at the same time so you can work this on individual is that right is that what you're saying
3: no i was what i was doing was loading in an individual track just editing two or three bars because actually the tempo detect is fantastic as well um loading that and then then, then tweaking that and exporting that so in effect i was just loading in six tracks independently editing those individually and then exporting those
1: Right, well, I really want to try it out. I have never had a chance to try uh, Melodyne at all, so I, I'm really going to try and get hold of this, but I'm a bit behind. I've been so held up with this uh, Korg micro-sampler review, which I've just finished.
2: Oh, you should have sent it to me. I could have done that.
1: and <laughs> um, uh, Not because it's terrible or anything. It's just because there's a lot to it and it's always hard to get it in it i, I had a bit of a revelation uh, that when i realized how it, you how to use it <laughs> which was holding me up a little bit but uh, I, I will check it out but um Non eric uh i know um you are uh, how long have you got now you've probably nearly got to go have you already can you yeah i gotta go now Sorry,
0: mate. well
1: i really appreciate you hanging coming in there and and um and joining us for the even the, the short amount of time that you've managed uh it's really been helpful to hear what you've had to say on the melodyne dna uh enjoy the rest of your day and of course m- musotalk.de you can go and check out and see that screencast amongst other things so uh, thank you very much non-eric
0: yeah welcome and hope to be on the show maybe next week.
1: i'd love to <laughs> love to have you you're always welcome thank you very much
0: bye you guys bye see ya yeah.
1: Hey, I'll do an ad. Why don't I do an ad now? That seems like a good time to do one. So um, let's just say, uh, well, welcome to the first of the show sponsors. Uh, we like to say thank you to Roland.co.uk for their continued support of this show. We really do appreciate it. It helps us kind of keep things going. And they'd like to draw your attention to the Juno DI, which is their, it's kind of the budget end of their uh, large keyboard workstation range, as is the Juno WANT, uh, it, but it's still got... A 1,000 presets, all based on the Phantom G sound engine. It's got 128-point voice polyphony, 16-part multi-timbral. It's got a mic input, which you can affect with reverb and delay. It's also got a MIDI file player, MP3 player, and WAV player, which has got center cancel, so you can knock out the vocal for, you know, maybe rehearsing against, or if you want to sing along top of it. Uh, it's, it's got a hell of a lot of stuff in there. Very high-grade studio quality effects. The sounds themselves, uh, I must admit, when I reviewed it, I wasn't sure what I was going to make of it, and I was really pleased with the results and everybody that um, seems to have come across it sort of goes, wow, actually, I'm really surprised at how good this is. So you really should go and check it out somewhere if you can. And obviously, if you do and uh, you end up buying it, we'd appreciate if somehow you could let Roland know where you heard about it because that'll keep everything running very, very smoothly. Um, but anyway, the Roland Juno DI, you can go and check it out at roland.co.uk uh, and uh, at a dealer near you. It's in the stores and uh, uh, apparently it's flying off the shelves. So please do check it out. Uh, But I forgot to mention, it's also battery-operated, so you can do it in the tent or in the cottage or camping or in the back of a bus, whatever. Lots and lots of ways of using it.
2: On a motorbike?
1: Uh, Well, on a motorbike might be a bit tricky. You might have to go a bit slow, but, you know, why not? Let's try it. Roland.co.uk, thank you very much for your continued sponsorship, and please do check out the Roland Juno DI. Right, the next topic. Um, this, I guess, is it, it's one that's um, been raging for a little while. Uh, oh, actually, no, it's not. We've got uh, DigiDesign 11 guitar hardware is coming. Um, but I was hoping that it would have been unveiled by the time the show happened, and it sort of hasn't. Uh, I think it's one o'clock US time. Um, but this is, uh, as far as I can tell, it's based on the technology in their 11 plugin. It's a hardware unit that looks ever so lovely. Uh, it's also a standalone unit, so it's got amp simulator and effects in it, but also you can plug it into your, uh, door, uh, into your system and it will run as I think this is right. It runs a copy of Pro Tools, uh, LE as well. So it acts as a hardware dongle too. So it's kind of the acceptable face of door usership for the guitarist. So you can take it out on the road, take it to a gig, or you can, uh, use it in the studio as a front end for recording and, um, affecting your guitar. Uh, But I guess none of us really have anything much to say about it um, because we don't know anything else. So maybe I'll just skip that one and we'll go straight on to the debate is raging. We should comment. Now, this uh, is is quite an interesting topic. I've got a little bit of a clip to play. Let me just start it off.
2: Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm Adam. I'm Todd. I'm Piers. And we are the Boxer We support the FAC because we believe that artists should have... Um, the empowerment to control their own careers and for the future and the Featured Artists Coalition is uh, all about trying to make sure
0: artists have that in the future. Whether it be digital or, or uh, physical, um, we, we just released our album without a label
2: and we had the luxury of having the say in what we do and we did quite well. We still own both our albums uh, and hopefully can be an example as to how the bands can move forward on their
1: own. Right, well, this is a continuation of the never-ending topic. Uh, basically, the Featured Artists Coalition have uh, such people uh, like uh, the guys from Blur, Pink Floyd, Radiohead, and they're all basically saying that, um, or, or at least it was reported that they were saying, hey, yeah, we don't have a problem with digital downloads. And so um, this was kind of, you know, obviously split the uh, music community into two camps. And the other camp seems to have been voiced by Lily Allen, who uh, was basically saying, you know, well, these guys don't need to worry about record sales. They can just kind of use free downloads as a a promotional tool to uh, sell tickets to their massive mega stadium tours. And uh, she sort of has a point, um, but um, as it turns out that what what 's actually happened is the fact that uh, the FAC said they were against this new government legislation which was to uh, cut people off from the internet if they were found to be illegally downloading stuff so it 's not quite the same thing they 're obviously you know against protection of musicians rights and stuff but so it's, but what it seems to have done is thrown. The whole future of you know the the how you make money out of music and how people collect copyright and all this sort of thing up into the air again and brought it right into the focus. You know they've even been, dis- been discussing it in Enemy and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I know, Mark, you said you were, you you'd been noticing this in the press. I mean, what have you made of this whole uh, this whole situation?
2: Uh, what have I made of it? I agree with Lily Allen. I don't think I think somebody should be doing something about it. I think she's big be- she's uh, probably very brave to become an evangelist for like not downloading music. Um, The thing which I would, if I could speak to her personally, which I can't because I don't have a phone number, but I've, I could, the thing I would be saying to her is what benefit is there for people to not download music? In other words, it's so simple for me to go online and go and, grab any piece of music really uh what's the benefit for me to buy it that's what she's not addressing she's saying oh don't steal my music and she's getting all angry and antsy about it but she's not really she's not really saying to people if you don't steal my music if you go and buy it here are the benefits
1: well she sort of is she sort of is she says if you if you might not care about this but the more difficult it is for new artists to make it the less new artists you'll see and the more british music she's talking about will be nothing but puppets paid for by simon cowell who has figured out a way to make money out of the music industry that's not related to sales
2: okay it's not clear enough
1: okay her message is not clear enough
2: (laughs) The message isn't clear at all, really, is it? I mean, it still doesn't tell the person. The, but yeah, okay. So, I mean, is it a benefit to me that I don't get to hear Simon Cowell's bands? I don't know. I I like some of Simon Cowell's bands actually.
1: I think like, it's the girl, same. It's it's, Girls it,
2: Aloud, they're a Simon Cowell band. I think they were I, wicked, aren't they? I love Girls Aloud, so I don't, it doesn't bother me. That's not a that's not a benefit. Not right. Not seeing Girls Aloud wouldn't be a benefit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but.
2: But no, she, she needs to sell she needs to sell the idea to people that downloading that that paying for music is better than downloading it for free.
1: It does come down to this sort of same commercial arrangement. It's like you know my little uh, community where I live. There's uh, there was big Woolworths shop there, which is a UK Brit- big British retailer, which is now empty. That has now yeah. been taken over by a Sainsbury's, which is a supermarket. And on the front of the hoarding, it says fresh vegetables, fresh bread, of which is basically going right up against all these little independent stores that are in my street. Now, the only way I can stop them from hap- for that from happening is by not shopping there. And it's sort of the same thing that we're asking about music. It's like, if you just nick stuff, then music will not continue to be developed because nobody will bother making music because, you know, what's the incentive? You can't make a living out of it. That's her argument, I believe.
2: Yeah, but she could take that even further. She could say, I mean, I'm going to get a bit philosophical here in a typically Tinley-esque kind of way, but she could say, she could say, if... I feel the need to go and steal a piece of music that I can buy for 79 P. What does that say about me? The benefit for me for paying for that piece of music for 79 P is the psychology I'm giving back to myself is I can afford this. So I can afford to go out and buy more and i and I will go out and earn enough money to spend 79 P on bits of music. If I go out and steal something that's only 79 pence to buy, then surely that I'm, it's a poverty mindset. I'm saying to myself, I can't afford to do this. I've got to steal it. And, and it drives people into this kind of, I don't know, an almost sort of reliance on, I don't know, benefits and all that. that whole I think thing. it's, I think,
1: I think there's this sort of idea that digital it's digital theft is sort of not a crime, isn't it? I suppose. I mean, the point, the point that she really makes is that, you know, it's easy for people who've got massive brands and massive awareness to be able to give their stuff away because they can make money in other ways. To begin with, you know, we're not going to be able to do that. In fact, she says, you don't start out in music with Ferraris. Instead, you get a huge debt from your record company, which you spend years working off to repay. Then, yeah. when you manage to get a contract, all those pretty videos and posters advertising your album have to be pay, album have to be paid for, and as the artist, you have to pay for them. I've only just finishing off paying finished paying off all the money I owe my record company. She's quite a big artist, I would say. I'm lucky that I've been successful and managed to pay it back, but not everyone's so lucky. I mean, you might say, "Well, yeah," but you signed a record deal back in the day when that was the way to do things. I mean, there's fairly unlikely you'd get a similar sort of deal now. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's uh, uh, there's what it really highlights is we don't really know how money can be made in this current musical mess. And that's sort of, there is no immediate answer.
2: Well, we know that people will pay to watch a good performance, don't we?
1: Yeah.
2: And we know that anybody can copy any digital medium, be it DVDs or music or printed materials or anything, really. So we know that as well. So we need. We, I, I, think, I actually think that the Spotify and the last FM. models are getting close to what could be a way of making money out of music, but do they actually give the money that they make in big enough proportion back to the artist?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean the, I was on holiday with a chap who worked uh, till recently in, in in kind of online music. And what Spotify have to do is they pay enormous license fees that have to recur, that are recurring yearly or however often, to the record labels to license their content, to use it. Now, the problem that they've got with their model, they're reaching this enormous uh, amount of um, critical mass. You know, they've released, released an iPhone app and they've done all these things and they're going into America. But still, they're A, paying these massive streaming costs. They're also paying these massive licensing costs, probably hundreds of thousands of pounds or dollars. And yet they still aren't making any revenue. And and it, uh, as an idea, I think it's brilliant. And as I've said before about Spotify, if, there was, if they could make it a little bit more affordable on a monthly basis, I don't buy £100 worth a year of music. I probably don't. And there no, are probably no, a lot I? of people who don't. So I'm not going to pay a tenner a month for no, that. No, I'm not
2: either. I would, I, pay,
1: might... I would pay less than that. But, you know, that's, that's kind of but where it comes. Know,
2: but I thought about this yesterday because I was on Spotify and I was trying to work out what a tune I'd got jammed in my head was. And I knew it was Joe Jackson so i probably played 10 or 15 tracks just bouncing around trying to find out what it was and i and i looked at that iphone app as well yesterday and i found out that was a premium service only yeah. and i thought got very clever with the advertising on spotify now if you play a certain number of tracks it makes you play all of the advert it doesn't go away if you stop it like it used to so i thought that was quite clever but i thought would i pay to make that go away would i pay $10 a month no i probably wouldn't because i don't listen to it Enough music on that service to do that. But would I pay a cent a track? Absolutely. So, if like Skype, I could buy a certain level of.
1: Um, oh, you so know, you a, a just credit, you, you credit, and then yeah, it just.
2: Credit it. And then while. when I've played a thousand tracks at a cent a track, I put another £10 on, and I'd keep doing it like that. Well, oh, I see. So, and same over sort of model. the course of yeah. the year, I might give them 30 40
1: £50, pounds, but I don't want to pay £10 pounds a month. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea, actually. I, th- I think I would pay to have it on an iPhone if I had it, but and that's what's happening. I think people are paying that premium, but you're right. It'd be much better to sort of give your account a credit. Uh, Dave, you've been very quiet on this. Have you got any thoughts? I mean, it's it's a difficult way, you know, it's a difficult place to make a living at the moment. And nobody has got the solution.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting that some uh, somebody I spoke to the other day said it only needs the venue um, owners to start changing and in particular let's say festival organizers to start changing the way or the amounts that they pay artists and that can actually decimate the industry completely because everything seems to be eggs in one basket time at the minute particularly yeah. you know for, for sort of live performing bands i mean i'm firmly of the opinion that the artist should decide how their music is distributed for me the the internet was all about you know the freedom to be able to do that without the constraints of major record labels and dealing with the nonsense of that. And I do agree with Lily Allen, but I also <laughs> think that it is the artist's choice. There's a very interesting development, I think, that's happened. Uh, in fact, I think it was announced today that here in the UK we are going to be paying a broadband tax. Ah. And I think that what this is going to be, and that this is a prediction I'm going to make, is that this will be used to pay the film industry and the record companies in order to kind of placate them for a while so that this issue sort of goes away because this whole cutting people off of, you know, from their internet connections, it's very hard to differentiate between, you know, as to who was actually file sharing that. We've seen that with a load of the RIAA cases. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is um, probably the way. I think the other thing, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is that whilst I do agree with Lily Allen, and I do feel for a lot of bands who just don't have those kind of huge marketing budgets. And I have criticized some very big name bands for kind of, you know, making their money and then pulling up the drawbridge. She's got two things that are not on her side. First of all, Elton John's come out in favor of her. And secondly, James Blunt.
1: (laughs) Oh dear. It's all over then, isn't it really? The sympathy vote is leaving (laughs) in droves. Yes, uh Mark Jacks eight P says in the chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live, uh it's an argument without ending. Rarely has something been morally so clear but practically so difficult. That's a very succinct way of putting mm. it. Mm. Um the, but I don't like the idea of the tax. That's uh ooh, that's terrifying really. But I suppose isn't that just like replacing the license fee it's sort of almost like that but giving it to the content creators i don't know
3: yeah and i've spoken to people who've actually said that you know they predict in the future that there will be an internet license fee that you know anybody in let's say the uk and the us and europe or whatnot if you want to have access to the internet in the same way that you've got to have a tv license you're probably going to end up paying an internet license fee That's pretty scary.
1: It is. It's quite exciting. It's quite a weird turnaround when you consider that what's actually because it used to be, you know, the petroleum companies and oil and stuff that seem to lobby the politicians and create taxes. But now, when you think about it, it's actually the creative industry doing it, which is kind of a real weird uh, sort of shift around. It's quite, in in some ways, it's sort of um, morally quite good that um, creative people, or at least the, the, the representative creative people, are starting to format policy that's kind of quite a, an interesting way of looking at it I suppose yeah
3: and interesting that people are starting to put their heads above the parapet
1: hmm
3: I think um, you know there's an awful long way to go but some um, uh, there is an element as well that ISPs should be accountable for what they uh, publish I mean you know look at magazine publishers for example if they Something libelous, then they're going to they're going to be held accountable for it. And yeah. in some cases, I mean, I've seen a lot of music on the whole Google Blogspot stuff that's just being banded around. And to actually file anything is just hugely complicated. You know, like a takedown, though, is hugely hugely complicated.
2: If you think about if you think about other law as well, if I buy a vacuum cleaner and something goes wrong with my vacuum cleaner, I go back to the first. Port of call, which is the person that actually handed me the vacuum cleaner in exchange for money, right? And it's that that person's responsibility to sort it out and make it right, because uh, you don't mm. go back to the manufacturer, do you? Yeah. You know, in terms of an internet service provider, they are providing you with the service. If it was a retail service, they would have, in law, an obligation to you to make that correct. Or if they're serving you something that's Pirated copy. I mean, if somebody sold me a Dyson and it wasn't a Dyson, I could take the retailer to court. I wouldn't take the manufacturer in Taiwan of fake Dyson Dysons to court, would I? So, I mean, it's almost like you know, a service industry thing should be like a retail industry thing, should it not?
1: Hmm. Um, yes, but uh, as Mark Jakes 8P was on a roll this week, magazines have editors and they monitor all that they publish, whereas ISPs are not in charge of the publishing process. They're just literally, you know, you know, it's like if you pay a a toll uh, to go on a toll road or cross a toll bridge and some idiot smacks into you and uh, drives you off the road and behaves terribly, it's, you don't go back to the person who charged you to go on the road. They're not responsible for it. Is that a good analogy or is that a terrible one? It's quite a question, is it? All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> hey, wow. <laughs> no, I
3: think it's all going to it's going to form part of this broadband tax. I think.
1: Well, I think that's interesting because that. they f- be
3: like, well, we can't control it, so actually, why not just tax it? And therefore, we're all going to be penalised because of what I like. Oh, to but then, can we claim royalties?
2: I've written like a hundred songs and they're all floating around on the internet. Can I have so much a song per month, please? Can I have That's a
3: really good, I think that's a really and actually,
2: good. Question. And then they're going to say, yeah, but Elton John's, you know, sold two million records. And I said, well, I haven't sold any records. So surely I should get more money than you. <laughs> <save> me, right?
1: <laughs> Wow. Government as a body for distributing artistic royalties. Now there's a concept.
2: (laughs) So if you're a new band and you haven't sold any records, but you can prove that your music's freely downloadable on the internet, then you should get more royalties than Elton John.
1: You get tax rebate.
2: Yeah. Tax rebate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Wow. This is getting messy, messy, messy business. (laughs) Do you know what? I think it might be time for another ad quickly.
2: Excellent. (laughs) Excellent.
1: Just because I think, um, obviously, at this point, you know, you're going to need to uh, kind of up your creative output and kind of make sure that the content you provide is out there so you can collect these taxes. So, what you need to do is head over to loopmasters.com because they provide a whole number of sample CDs, loops, multi track samples, all kinds of different things, all kinds of different formats, all kinds of different styles. Head over to loopmasters.com, and check out what they've got. We're doing a special deal with them whereby if you email us at freestuff at sonicstate.com, we'll send you a sample pack that you can check out of WAVs to, to download. Uh, at the moment, uh, we've got, uh, oh, what have we got? We've got some samples from the Broken Beat Drum Library and something called Dark House Loops as well. So please do check them out. loopmasters.com, email freestuff at sonicstate.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for the newsletter because uh, they release so much stuff, it's actually quite hard to keep up, for, up with. So if you click the box, Sign up for the newsletter and they can contact you directly and let you know what's going on, and it all kind of makes everything move smoothly. While we're at the subject, uh, go over and check out looptv.net, it's there sort of podcasting wing uh, they do some videos there we're up to episode number five uh, where they've got interviews with Rock Electro and Brakes DJ Hyper at his tranquil Oxford residence uh, they also talk to Simon Gray about the global release of the pr- Propeller Heads record software which is actually now they also talk to Jody Wistanoff from Way Out West who's down our way he's got a massive collection of synthesizers and Rob Jones gives us a special treat when it comes to doing specific things with the vocoder in Ableton Live 8. so go check out looptv.net and see what they've got for you this week. Uh, And once again, we thank you very much to LootMasters.com for their sponsorship of the show. We really do appreciate it. sound of the new d16 now i've got to be really careful how i say this (laughs) yes (laughs) because it's spelt s h one which looks like an i zero which looks like an o i t o r which if you pronounce it in uh, with a slight irish lilt sounds like scheuter. (laughs) <laughs> which uh, obviously isn't terribly, um, <laughs> terribly good in terms of you know, synthesizers, but it's actually an SH-101 tour. It's an SH-101 emulation, uh, but they've done it with a difference. It's got eight layers. You can have a different sound on each layer that can play multi-timberly, or you can stack them up for big, fat sounds. And uh, they've got a whole load of bump on their site about how they've been analyzing uh, the waveforms and creating these really tight... Uh, close emulations of uh, the resonant filter and also the uh, oscillators. So there's very little aliasing. And they've got some very interesting links to YouTube uh, spectrographs, spectrogram- spectrometers. I'm not sure exactly what it is, of what aliasing looks like in lesser quality synthesizers. And I thought that was kind of good. But um, SH-101, bit of a classic, isn't it? Mark, you must absolutely, have had one of those.
2: yeah, absolutely. It's the first synthesizer I, with knobs on that I ever laid hands on, to be honest.
1: They've got some great images. I don't know how they did this because obviously they're all 3D rendered. It looks to me like they printed out the, um, the design of their front panel, actually made it into three dimensions and then photographed it with depth of field because it actually looks really, really real from a hardware point of view. I, it's going to be fairly reasonably priced it's not out just yet uh vst au all that kind of usual stuff but their other things have been pretty good i mean lots of people seem to rave about the, the the d16 group stuff dave have you got any of their things i think we've talked about their drum machines and distortion units maybe a couple of years ago
3: i do and i like these guys um i have got Drumazon and nephiton and the other one that i don't use that often but um drumazon I think is really excellent, and I, I know some people kind of go, "Oh, yeah, yeah," but you know the usual thing. It's not like a real nine oh nine. With Underworld, we did a massive A B test versus the real thing, versus twenty four ninety six K samples, versus the um, Drumazon, and played stuff to the front of the house guy, who ninety nine point nine times out of a hundred came up with the um, Drumazon being it. Really? So I think, and considering that's the backbone of their groove, I think that's high praise indeed. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this, actually. Yeah, it's going to be good. To I be mean, honest, those demos sounded better than anything I could get out of a
1: 101 when it came out. <laughs> Obviously, they're not all made, but by the uh, by the sh 101 To I'm not going to say that word again, because I'm just going to get myself into trouble. But... Um, yeah, kind of good. I, I was really intrigued to know, because when you go onto the YouTube website, it says, if you want to see, you know, this is a picture of what the spectrograph looks like. As you can see, it's a pure tone. You know, the resonance is really pure. There's no aliasing and it does look very clean. I mean, I don't know what that means, but then the, there are all these other uh, synths that they are comparing it to. And uh, everybody wants to know, what are the other synths that you're comparing it to? Because um, the, the waveforms look awful messy by comparison, don't they? Uh, to be honest, I didn't look at that. Didn't I or mean? I but you're a you're a software developer. How do you deal with the kind of aliasing? Because as we understand, and I've you know pit that we we do seem to have quite a lot of coders in the chat room from time to time. And that one one thing that was, uh, one one person said, I think it was someone called Shannon. Actually, I don't think she's here or he's here this week. Was saying that you know the reason why soft synths sound different um, is not actually it's down to the way you handle aliasing. And I don't know if that's correct. I mean, you might know a bit more about it than I do. Is that right?
3: Yeah, no. It kind of depends what it is. I mean, it really boils down to time and attention to detail. Really, uh, the more the more maths you do, the more obvious, obviously the more load there is on the on the um, computer. Yeah. But it's, it, you know you can eliminate that with optimising. I mean, dude, I'm not a maths expert. If I did any maths here, I'd be laughed out of town <laughs> because I do work with some amazing, amazing mathematicians. But it really all comes down to the amount of time that you spend measuring, measuring, measuring and refining and refining and right. refining. And uh, the one thing I do like about these guys is they never, again, they never seem to rush anything. They seem to make sure that it's
1: right for them before it leaves the building. And for me, that, that means a lot. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's kind of a similar approach to that you take, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, it's got to be right. Otherwise, it's wrong.
3: If it's wrong, then you've let yourself down. And that's the key, really, for me. It's like, no, there's no point. There's just no point in brushing things because people might. People are always going, you know, when is it out? When is it out? When is it out? And I know we're guilty of you know being late, but if it's not right, it can't go out. And you I know, do that's,
1: like- that's a philosophy I really should apply in my own life once in a while. I think I have to have to go back and think about that for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) There's a wow
3: factor we have here. And and this has always been the case with us is that you have to go. Wow. At least, you know, X amount of times before you can There's a confidence thing as well. I mean, I know, you know, even though I'm blowing our own trumpet, we are pretty good, but that does take time and it does take effort. I saw a great (laughs) post from Eric Persing on Facebook, actually. And he was talking about, you know, excellence being hard to attain and other people being able to make it look easy. And I and I looked at his post and thought, wow, you know, if you're writing that, that really is something.
1: He just added me as a friend on Facebook. Actually, I was really honored. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Mark, going to get one? Yeah, why not? Why not? I think it's probably going to be, you know, it's going to be Can in I the r- a red one with a handle. I think you can skin it, actually. There's different skins. You can do the red one. You can do the blue one. You can do that. What are the colours? There was a white one as well, were not there? I think they've done that. You can have all the different skins. I vaguely
2: uh, remember I queued up outside the Soho Soundhouse for a long time to try and buy a handle for a pound. Because they <laughs> used to have that sale, and it was all about, like, get as many bodies outside the door as possible. The Boxing um, Day sale. The sale. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember. But then the thing is, you'd always end up going in there, and then all the good stuff had gone for a pound you'd end up well, buying course. something like a some crappy casio drum machine for like 900 quid or something so i mean it there's no
1: such thing as a crappy casio drum machine is there i thought they were all brilliant the rz1 it
2: wasn't yeah, that i've got
1: no i've got some samples of that it sounded brilliant it's really well crusty i suppose in no, at, well, yeah, at the okay, time the, sam-
2: the sounds were brilliant <laughs> but have you ever tried programming one
1: no i know i just triggered the sounds
2: they had a, a a sequencer that went with that and I think it, might, it probably was called an SZ one as in Sugar Z one, not the
1: oh, Okay. SZ1.
2: And I vaguely remember buying the drum machine and the sampler from Soho Soundhouse and taking them home and like puzzling over how to program multi-timbral things into this sequencer for some hours and eventually realizing that it could only really record one line of MIDI and you couldn't quantize anything and you basically couldn't do anything with it at all useful and taking it back and it being sort of over £100.
1: Mm. It's always the problem with disappointments like that, isn't it? I bought a step guitar from Soho Soundhouse. A what guitar? Do
3: you remember those step guitars?
2: With the LEDs in the neck.
3: Yeah, the sort of MIDI thing. It was really quite amusing.
2: Oh no, I know. I'm getting it muddled up with the one that the guy from Big Audio Dynamite used to play, the one with the carbon fiber That's neck. a
1: Steinberg that wasn't that a Steinberger or Steinberg or something? They had a, a carbon plastic.
2: fiber neck with no frets and they were like stepped all the way up. Is it that one?
3: It had two sets of strings, one down on the body and another one, another load up the neck, as it were, and it was kind of bizarre. Oh, maybe that was a step guitar. I'm getting it confused. I don't know. I can't. I bet remember. you it was, wish you it kept was, onto
1: it, kept hold of it. I bet it'd
3: be worth I, a fortune. It's in somebody's loft now. It's in the guitarist's loft. But I remember we queued up. You know, it was like a Boxing Day sale, so we kind of got up really early on Boxing Day, drove up there for some bargain. And by the time we, the queue was massive. By the time we got in, yeah. the only thing was left was this step, and, it, and that was quite expensive.
1: I think but you end of something just
2: because you've gone there, You've right? made all that yeah. effort. You can't yeah. come
1: back empty-handed, can you? Mm.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, so Sanders used to do some cracking deals on all sorts of. I bought a TR 909 from there, brand new one, and they had a a huge pile of them, and uh, I paid 169 pounds for a brand new TR 909. Wow. And when I bought it, they gave me a valuation card for my insurance company that said it was worth 999, which was the recommended retail price. Wow. So I was able to insure it for 999 pounds. So why I did that, I don't know, because what I didn't really think about at the time was that I was paying more insurance premium than I needed to. But when you're young, you don't know these things. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Number Cruncher says in the chat room, Mark Tinley's thinking of the Bond guitar. I
2: think yeah, and that kind of makes sense. Did it have LED red LEDs in the neck?
1: Uh apparently it has a stepped fingerboard and active three band EQ with uh, an LED reader. I think I remember That's that. It, yeah. I remember yeah. that. If you want to know about Aliasing, ask Number Cruncher. Okay, well maybe we can uh we can dedicate a whole show to that because I'm sure there's yeah. a lot to it. But well, uh, I've pra-
2: got I love aliasing and I have a particular um a to d and d to a converter combination which i would love somebody to recreate in software and oh. it was uh uh it was an electronics and music maker kit to make a sampler which was my first sampler
1: oh the greengate and, ds3 no, thing was it well,
2: no it was a. Uh, no it was called um artificial intelligence and it ran on a zx spectrum but the chips that the guy used weren't really audio chips for a to d and d to a conversion so they've got no filters in at all and he basically was feeding audio input into somewhere where audio input's not meant to go and then turning it into numbers and storing it in the memory of the computer and then spitting it back out again but um i've got i've got the um plans for that sampler somewhere so
1: we probably still get the chips that might be an interesting way
2: I want, Well, actually, another thing I wanted to do was to get somebody to build um, a clocked device, which I could literally plug something in one end and it would convert stuff into a little memory buffer and then spit it back out the other end again so that I could get that sound without having to go through the nightmare of, of trying to control it with the ZX Spectrum computer.
1: Actually, speaking of that, um, that's one thing the, this Korg microsampler can do. You can monitor the input and you change the sample rate on the fly, and it will monitor the sound coming in at the sample rate that you set it to. I mean, it only does 48, 24, 12, and 6, but you can actually listen in real time to the to the down-sampling, if that's any, oh, right. any use. Uh, yeah, that might help, I suppose.
2: I mean, I think it was probably the fact that it was designed, the chips that he used weren't really designed for audio that gave it this really, really grungy, crunchy sound. Oh, well,
1: it's kind of like Eric, um, and but the... Other the-
2: thing that would- Sorry, go
1: on. It's 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 a bit like Eric and the I forget his th- surname now. Um, but the um, oh no, I've forgotten what it is. What's the valve stuff? The valve. Synth. Oh yes, yeah, metasonic stuff. The metasonic stuff. He uses valves that aren't designed for audio. He just uses uh, basically valves uh, for television valves.
2: Right. I mean, the other thing I really want as well, which I don't know if anybody could do or whether it would be worth doing, is um. The Akai S900 had a companding sampling system. So if you put a symbol in it at 10,000 hertz mm. sample rate and sampled it, somehow it still retained the high frequencies and spat it out with a... Uh, with. I mean, the equivalent of 24-bit output because it did some weird companding thing. So although it was only a 12-bit sampler, it actually sounded better than a 16-bit sampler and sounded better at low bit rate. And it had like a particular kind of, you lost a little bit of bottom end, but it had a very particular sort of sound to it. And if you sampled 808 hi-hats and things in it, they came out sounding really good. It was, but that as an EQ would be an interesting thing. I should go and check these things as well, actually, because there's also this, you know, the the expanse of time when yes, look back the memory of it is actually not as good as was the really actuality, good, wasn't it? And then when you like actually get the thing out, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't quite that good.
1: No, I suppose. Well, um, that was. How do we start that topic? I can't remember what it was. Now, what was it? <laughs> Sh
2: one o one. Sh one o one.
1: Scheuter, That's right g <laughs> 16 right. Group, go and check them out. Uh, they're Polish guys, and it looks like they've spent an awful lot of time studying these things and creating the most wonderful sound possible. But I must try one or two of their plugins because it does look uh, like it's uh, like it's good stuff. Now um, we're at the, s- the point in the ch- in the show where we can either call it a day, uh, or we can talk about ribbon mics because that's the only thing I've got left to talk about on the ch- on the topic list. Unless anybody else has something they would like to introduce. Oh, I wish Rich was here on these ribbon mix. Yeah, uh, maybe. Should we save it? Should we save it for Rich? Because I think he probably might
2: have... What to... about... Did it, was it you that tweeted about that Gibson guitar that just happens to look like a bloody Fender Stratocaster? No. Have you heard about that? No, no, no. Gibson, Gibson have just released an authentic Hendrix guitar because apparently Hendrix used to play... Um, Some Gibson's flying V and uh, an upside down Les Paul. So Gibson have basically got together with Jimi Hendrix's sister, who I think is called Lucy Hendrix, if Mm. I remember right. Oh, I saw
1: that. Yes, I saw the 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 Hendrix sister, and
2: they've they've designed and built this guitar, which is the guitar that Hendrix would have played if he was alive today. (laughs) It's made by Gibson, and it looks exactly like a Stratocaster. Very weird.
1: Wow, that's some fairly tenuous linkage going on right there, isn't it? But, uh, it's kind of milking the...
2: But um, And Fender and Gibson have been asked to comment on it, and neither company is commenting at the moment. So I reckon they're probably, you know, drawing pistols at dawn and working out who's going to sue who over what at the moment. It's quite a nice-looking guitar, mind you.
1: But I haven't seen that. The news did go up, but uh, a I'm gift afraid a copy
2: of a Fender Stratocaster,
1: basically. Wow, that does seem like uh, asking for trouble. Asking for trouble from somebody. I mean, they're the two biggest guitar brands in the world. Are you going to be fairly uh, protective of their likenesses? I would imagine. But yes, I did see the headline. But I'm afraid I don't know too many details about the story because it wasn't one of my stories. But um, okay, well, how's everybody fixed? Should we? Should we? Uh, should we? Should we knock off a bit early and go to the metaphorical pub? Yeah. Or well, something like that. Go
2: to the metaphorical vicar's house to go and collect my child, actually. Oh, you've... you've actually, heard... no, he's a real vicar,
1: actually. Oh, it's a real the real vicar's house. Okay.
2: My son, my son and the vicar's son are friend, firm friends at his new school, and they, he's been invited round for tea. So that should be good. Oh,
1: lovely. Tea and cakes at the vicar's. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Mark, uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving uh, up your valuable time. And, uh, of course, what you're up to can be found at autismhero.com. That's your new URL. So please go and check that out and see what, uh, what Mark's got to say on a variety of subjects.
2: All sorts of things. In fact, I've been ranting about Asperger's and autism in my most recent blog.
1: Well, we'll go and check that out. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you very much.
1: And of course, uh, Dave Spears, who are, is our last remaining panelist uh, from g 4 softwarecom Thank you for joining me, too. Thank you. Good fun.
2: He did that. He did that really well, didn't he? I always, I still have this problem after three years of doing this, of <laughs> fumbling through <laughs> endings and goodbyes. And Dave just, Dave just did this smart, slick, succinct that was a really
1: cool goodbye Dave <laughs> well Dave that maybe maybe that maybe Dave's just much crueler he just doesn't have any problem saying goodbye dismissing us in a, <laughs> yes, in a friendly yes, but, but firm way <laughs> I was going to also say Rich Hilton uh, who can't be with us is off trying out the V piano and I know he's been checking out other things as well I think he got a chance to try out the Korg SV1 vintage piano and uh, amongst other things so hopefully we'll talk to him about that next week and also he's been checking out Melodyne DNA thank you very much again also to non-eric from museotalk.de who joined us uh, to tell us a bit more about the, the the Melodyne DNA experience and, of course, to everybody else. Uh, those of you in the chat room, thank you for joining us. Uh, another bumper week. Um, <coughs> of course, if you've uh, not joined us in the chat room before, please head over to sonicstate.com forward slash live where you can um, bask in the flow of text that comes live with the recording as it's uh, being beamed out across the world. So that was Sonic Talk number 147. Thanks for listening.